listening to Brain Attack Music. This is Andy Dopey. Episode 6 The Power of Your Mind. Since my brain attack stroke uh, nearly seven and a half years ago now, I've become acutely aware of the power of the mind and how what we think affects how we feel. Um, This has been shown to me fairly empirically, time after time, actually. I shall explain. After leaving hospital after my brain attack and subsequent emergency brain surgery, My wife has been extremely diligent in taking my blood pressure and heart rate on a very regular basis. When I was in hospital, I was asked if I would like to take part in a research study which aimed to reduce the chance of subsequent strokes for stroke survivors. Um, I said yes, uh, even though I had no idea why or who these people were or what was involved. Um, So after I left hospital, um, I was given a blood pressure monitor and was told to take three sets of my blood pressure and heart rate three times a day. The blood pressure monitor was connected to a mobile phone, which sent all the readings to the research team over mobile data. And if necessary, my meds were adjusted accordingly, which, which they were a couple of times. Uh, just kind of as an aside, really, this this research study um, conducted down in Oxford in the uh, in the south of England um, actually won a Queen's Award in the UK here that uh, as they showed that monitoring the blood pressure of stroke survivors within, you know, in the first sort of three or four months following stroke actually reduced the chance of subsequent strokes by over 80 percent. Now, what's interesting here is my my wife wouldn't tell me the readings until they were all taken. And on one occasion, she asked me what I'd been thinking about during the second reading. And I told her that I was worrying about our financial situation and my lack of income because I, I wasn't working. I couldn't work. And she said to me, "Ah, I could tell you were getting worked up about something as you're blood pressure and heart rate went up. This has been repeated time and time again over the last seven and a half years. I'm no longer part of the research study, but we're still in the habit of of taking my readings. Um, Excuse me. My wife can actually tell if I'm worried or anxious about something just by my blood pressure and heart rate readings. Um, I've even tried meditating when she takes the readings and amazingly my blood pressure goes down and I've also tried getting myself worked up a bit getting a bit anxious about something and surprisingly my blood pressure goes up so that's really made me think and I I, I look back at what I now realize were extremely stressful periods in in my life and and there were many of those I have to say and I genuinely wonder now how I didn't have a stroke 
sooner than I did. Um, so it's been empirically demonstrated to me that what we think has a direct effect on our blood pressure. Just to state that very, very clearly, what we think affects our blood pressure. And so what we think affects our well-being, affects our health. Wow. There's a connection between our state of mind and our body's response to that state of mind. That, that's incredible. This isn't any kind of mumbo-jumbo because this is no different to how our body responds, our autoimmune response, when we're bitten by an insect, for an example, or maybe we run a fever. Our body is responding automatically to a stimulus. But I can affect my blood pressure just by what I think Now, all of this was a very big factor in us moving home from the busy, hectic south of England to the rural, calm tranquility of southern Scotland. And we did this over four and a half years ago now, roughly three years, just under three years after my brain attack. And as I'm here in my studio, I'm looking out the window and uh, all I can see are trees, bushes. I can see birds flittering around in the... Uh, if I just lean back a little bit, yeah. I can see a sparrow. I can see a blackbird. Not too sure what that is. Might be one of our winter visitors. Um, but there's wildlife. There's nature. And if I was to open the studio window now, which I'm not going to because it's a bit chilly today... Um, all you'd hear out there would be the sounds of nature. So in general, life is, is much more peaceful and slower paced up here. Uh, people seem to have time to talk to you. They're, they're far more polite, more friendly, uh, more caring, and they genuinely seem more happy than, uh, than when we lived down in the south of England. There's a real sense of community. Um, I really love going into a, a local shop or cafe where the staff know you and have got time to talk to you. Um, as I said earlier, all you can really hear in our back garden is, is birdsong and the sounds of nature. Yep, there's the odd car now and again, but pretty much it's just nature. And this really, I feel, has put me in a much better mental place uh, than when I lived in the bustling south of England where no one appeared to have time for anyone. Everybody's in too much of a rush and no one really wanted to get to know anyone because they were in too much of a rush. And as well as my mental well-being, I'm sure this is better for me physically as well. And all I'm trying to do is just minimise things that cause me stress and anxiety. Just a short story for you, just to illustrate my point. I was once in Oxford city centre after my stroke before we moved up here and I had a fall. Um, this was outside a shop in Oxford city centre, fell on the pavement. And not only did no one come to my aid or even ask if I was okay, 
people actually stepped over me and carried about their carried on with their business. It it was like I didn't exist. Conversely, um, when on holiday, very close to where I am now, I was walking on my own, but felt a bit tired. I saw a bench, thankfully, a few paces away and sat down, I must confess, with a, a bit of a slump and uh, let out a loud sigh as I sat down and threw my head back. Uh, the, the next thing I know, the lady was crossing the road to ask if I was OK. Complete stranger. I said, yep, just a, just a bit tired, but thanks for asking. So uh, she turned around, got in a car and drove off with a wave and a smile. I hadn't even realised she was in a car, but she'd obviously been driving past, saw me slump down, uh, stopped and got out to see if I was okay. And I remember thinking to myself, this is not a bad place to live. And uh, less than a year later, it was where we lived. report recently that said brain attack stroke is on the increase in younger people and at a greater rate of increase generally speaking in developing countries and I wondered how much of a factor stress and anxiety is in those statistics and if you look at this in in evolutionary terms us modern man homo sapiens we've been around for about 250,000 years and depending on which book you read recent archaeology suggests that it could be over 300,000 years but let's stick with 250,000 years quarter of a million and up until a few thousand years ago we were living life as hunter-gatherers and had been doing so for at least I suppose broadly 248,000 years and that's the type of lifestyle we knew and the type of lifestyle that we had evolved into coping with and managing. And only in very recent times, from an evolutionary perspective, have we actually been living in towns and cities. And only really, really recently, and I'm talking about the past few decades, has our population growth made those towns and cities huge, sprawling, concrete and steel pressure cookers. If you come at this from the present and look backwards, the the last 150 years has seen unparalleled changes, really. And that's that's just a handful of generations. The first powered aircraft flight was the Wright Brothers, 1903. And the first commercial jet airliner, something we take completely for granted in 2020. Well, <laughs> we did before the coronavirus pandemic anyway. Um, but the first commercial jet airliner entered service in 1952, just 68 years ago. Not even three generations back. Crikey, I was born six years after that. <laughs> and this rate of change is, I think, way, way faster than the rate at which we can adapt or evolve to those changes. And I wonder what effect is all of that having on us? And of course, this rate of change is, is accelerating. My first PC was purchased, I suppose, about 28 years ago. 
and it had, wait for it, young'uns, it had a 40 megabyte hard drive. I'll say that again. My first PC had a 40 megabyte hard drive. Yeah, so gives you some idea, right? And this this thing, this beast used both three and a half inch and five inch floppy disks. Now, how many of you remember those? Three and a half inch and five inch floppy disks. The three and a half inch ones, the disk was encased in a little plastic surround, so that felt hard, but the five inch floppy ones were, were actually floppy. And the three and a half inch floppies had a massive capacity of 1.44 megabytes. Now I've just bought a one terabit USB stick, which broadly gives me storage about 700,000 times greater than one of these three and a half inch floppy disks. And these last 150 years in, in evolutionary timescales are all but nothing, really. Uh, if, if we say, as I said earlier, that Homo sapiens have been around for about 250,000 years, then the last 100 to 150 years represents roughly 0.05% of that time frame. And that's roughly the same ratio as 40 seconds is to 24 hours. And I'd suggest that the rate of change in the world around us is, is much greater than any natural biological change. And so has to place us under unnatural stress. Uh, our ancestors, of course, had a, had a natural release from stress in their world because they were very physically active, living a typical hunter-gatherer lifestyle. Um, we don't really have a natural stress release when we're sitting behind a desk for eight hours a day, then in a car for an hour, and then in front of the TV for three hours. And I find it really fascinating that the rate of increase in stroke now is greater in developing countries than in developed ones. And I'd, I'd suggest that one factor could be because the rate of change for us humans is even greater in developing countries. And I'm always struck by the number of images I see on the TV of people in developing countries who live in shanty towns without access to clean water and suffer from poor sanitation, disease, etc. And yet many of them seem to carry smartphones. And so we're in a situation where developed world norms can now just be dropped into developing world environments and not always for the better, really. Because I would have thought, maybe naively, that clean water should take precedent over smartphones. Another little story for you. My wife's grandmother was brought up in rural Ireland. And in the 1960s, she visited the big city, Dublin, for the first time in her life. Now, Dublin is actually a, a quite a small city. Current population, about one and a half million. Contrast that with Mexico City, 20 million, or Tokyo, 37 million. And my wife's grandmother found Dublin very confusing and completely disorientating, and she'd get lost really easily. Why was that? Well because she said it all looked the same. 
and there were no natural features, trees, bushes, hedgerows, hills and so on, by which to navigate. And she was in an alien environment and she found it very stressful. So to summarise then, if we can alter our blood pressure by what we think and we happen to be in an environment where we're feeling constant high levels of stress and anxiety, this isn't going to be a good thing, is it? There's an old adage that says we are what we think. And I'm starting to really buy into this because what we think affects our lives in ways that we don't yet fully understand. So I'd say to you, think good thoughts, think happy thoughts, think positive thoughts and let any negative thoughts just float away on the breeze. Just let them go because you are what you think. And it therefore follows that you think what you are. And so you are what you think you are. I'll say that again. I know you can rewind, but but I'll say that again. You are what you think. Therefore, you think what you are. And so you are what you think you are. Uh, That's the end of Philosophy Corner. Um, In my next podcast, I'm going to be talking about smelling the coffee. And to give you a small clue, it's absolutely nothing to do with coffee at all. Um, Please visit my website, www.brainattackmusic.com, to uh, find out more about the project. And you'll find links there where you can follow me on social media. And until then, take care and keep on keeping on. (laughs) 